Take your Bibles, please, with me, if you have them, the book of 1 John, as we continue to go verse by verse through this good book of God's Word. 1 John, we're in the last verse of chapter 2, and we'll read into chapter 3. And I would preface this this morning by saying, probably 1 John chapter 3, which we'll be getting into, is probably one of the most misunderstood chapters in all the Bible. There's some things said there that if you don't compare Scripture with Scripture, you'll not have any idea what he's saying. And uh, there could be a great false doctrine as well presented by that. But we want to hear what God has to say this morning. First John chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 29, If ye know that he is righteous... You know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Well, I want to start by saying, if you've listened to what we've read this morning, God has a family. God has a family. His family is bigger than your family. His family is better than your family. And uh, his family is something that anyone can enter into if they would like to. But everybody's not in the family of God. It takes a birth. It takes a new birth. And we're introduced with that in verse number 29 in our text because the phrase that we see, if I had to entitle the message, it would be the sons of God because we see that phrase twice in what we read this morning in Verse 1 of chapter 3 and also in verse 2 of chapter 3, he talks about these sons of God, but he tells us how that title or that relationship is entered into the last verse of of chapter 2. Look at it with, if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. So there has to be a birth that takes place. You see that again in verse number 9 of chapter 3 that we read. Whosoever is born of God. 
There has to be a new birth for you to be in God's family for these things about the sons of God to be applicable to you. Look at chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. John talks about this over and over again in chapter 5 of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Verse 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so the first question that needs to be asked, are you born of God? Are you part of that group that he's calling the sons of God? Because there's so many promises and so many wonderful things connected with being a son of God, a child of God. Do you know that for certain? There's a lot of people that don't. They think maybe because they're an American, they're a child of God. That's not true. Or who their mom and dad is. Doesn't matter who your mother and dad is. You better have God to be your dad. You need to be born again. You say, make make that a little more simplistic to me. I might understand what that means to be born of God. He talks about believing in the verse we just read, chapter 5. But I'll just boil it down even, even smaller for you. The same author in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Would you look at that? I know this is elementary for you that are, that are saved. But I, I tell you what, if you, if you can't get this down, you're not going to understand anything else I'm going to say. Because if you are not a part of the sons of God, nothing that these verses talk are reference to you. And so you have to understand what it means to be a child of God. And it has nothing to do with what you've done or who you are. Or how your lifestyle is. It has to do with your family. Your family relationship by blood, by birth. He says in John chapter 1, makes it very simple to us. So simple that a child can understand. He said in John chapter 1, verse number 11, He came into His own and His own received Him not. Verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You see that? Even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Isn't that simple? He says, as many as received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Becoming a son of God is as simple as receiving Christ. But that means you've got to want him. Most people don't want Jesus. They don't want to receive him. They want to receive good things in life. They want to receive pleasures and comforts or something that gratifies themselves. They would rather receive sinful things in their life than receiving Christ. He's not the one that that has their, 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 their captivation. I want Him. You see, being saved is about, is about Him. It's about wanting Him. It's about receiving Him. Believing on Him. It's in a person. Not a religion. It's a person. You have time in your life, you've received Him. You've received Him. You took Him. You don't take Him with your mouth. That's what the Catholics do, you know. Just open your mouth, I'll give you a cookie and it'll... No, he... Jesus is not a cookie. And he's not a glass of wine. Jesus, amen, is the living, omnipotent God. 
And he, he wants to dwell in you and live in you. Not in your belly, but in your heart. And so we open up our hearts to Him. We receive Him in our hearts. We believe upon Him. We believe what He did for us. We believe that He came. He died and was buried and rose again. And we receive Him. We just we open up and we receive I want you. How easy is that? Not a religious exercise. It's not making a prayer to impress someone else. It's Jesus, I want you. And I open the door of my life and my heart and I receive you. That can be done with a prayer. It can be done with a man that can't even put his words into that has no tongue. Because with the heart man believeth, you see. So are you a son of God? Have you received him? Have you opened up your heart? As many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I know whose family I'm in this morning. I know whose family I'm in. My father is rich in houses and lands. And he holdeth the wealth of the world in his hand. I know whom I believe. I know whom I've received. It's not about, about, it's not about my person. It's about the person I've received. And by receiving him, he made me a son of God. And so as we look in our text, I, I want you to know that. I hope you do know that. If you don't, don't leave here this morning. I'm never, look, I know that I don't try to talk people out of their salvation. Enough people doubt their salvation that have other problems in their life. But, but you need to know whether or not you've received Christ. And it's not a complicated matter. And it's not checking 25 points off. And it's not a process. It's a simple thing. God wants to save people more than they want to be saved. He's not trying to make it difficult. But mind you, 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 you don't want to receive him if... If you're in love with your sin and you, and you want to hold on to that, you, you'll have no place for him, see. You'll have no desire for him. But would you go back to our text? Because all of this has to do with the sons of God. And the first thing our verse talks about that we read this morning in 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, is the righteousness of the sons of God. The righteousness of the sons. So when we talk about the sons of God, there are certain things that that are said about them. He said in verse 29 of 1 John chapter 2, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Now, it's very important how he wrote that verse. The first thing he talks about is not your righteousness or my righteousness. The first thing he talks about is his righteousness. Look at it again. If you know that he... Is righteous. Because you see, that is the source of all righteousness. And there's no way to be righteous without Him because He is the righteous one. Jesus is called the King of righteousness. He's the King of it. It belongs to Him. Righteousness is a characteristic of God. And I want to say that I, I know, verse 29, if ye know that He is righteous. What do you know this morning? There's a lot of things I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen to America. I don't know the way I'm going to die or the way I'm going to leave this world. There's a host of things I don't know. I don't know how to solve people's problems. 
Most of the time, I don't even know how to solve my own problems. There's a whole lot of things I don't know, but there is something I do know. You know what I do know? He is righteous. He's right. Jesus is righteous. And you say, why is it important? We all know Jesus is righteous. And no, no I, I don't think so because I think so many people are angry at God and they think that this Jesus, this God has done something wrong and slighted them. No, my friend, I know he is righteous. I know I'm unrighteous, but I know that he's righteous. I know that I've made a, a boatload of mistakes. My sins, amen, would, would fill up a silo. I, I understand the depth of my own personal depravity. But what I want to tell you this morning, I know that He is righteous. He's never done me wrong. I find in Him no fault at all. I agree with Pilate. There are some saved people that don't even agree with Pilate. They find some fault in Jesus in their life. He's not been righteous with me. He's not been helpful to me. He's not fixed. And I tell you what, the anger that so many people have toward other people, when you boil it all down, at the end of the day, it'll become anger at God. But I want to declare to you, no matter what happens in my life, He's righteous. He is righteous. I know it. He never said anything that was unrighteous. Never a false, filthy word came out of the mouth of Jesus. There's nothing for me to blame Jesus. He's righteous. He never mistreated anyone. He never abused anyone. And I'm not just talking about in the three and a half years of his ministry, nor his 33 and a half year life when he walked upon the earth. He's still not mistreated anyone. He's still not abused anyone. He went about doing good and he still does good. He brings sunshine and rain upon the just and the unjust. I want to tell you, Jesus is righteous. And the next time you start to blame Him or, or look at Him in a different light, just know that that's the devil that's in your mind and that's the devil that's in your thought. Because I know, I know that He is righteous. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. That means this. There is no way for anyone to do righteousness that does not know the righteous one. Because righteousness doesn't come from you. It comes from the righteous one. Look again in chapter 3. He says in chapter 3 in verse number 7. We read this morning. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Watch it. Even as he is righteous. Well, Preacher, how can that be? How can the sons of God be just as righteous as the Son of God? Well, the book says we are. How is that possible? Because I know a lot of people who call themselves saved. They don't look righteous to me. Oh, yes. But the Bible says, beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. The Bible said, he that doeth righteousness is righteous and is born of him. Only people that have been born of God can be righteous because the righteousness doesn't come from our acts. It comes from who's inside of us. Uh, You know this verse. I show it to you just in case so your eyes will fall upon it. Isaiah chapter 64. 
You know, when man defines righteousness, he doesn't define it like God. We think right things and good things are things that are good and beautiful to us. God doesn't define it that way. If you are not a, one of the sons of God, you cannot do righteousness. Because you must be born of God to do righteousness. The righteousness must come from he that is within you that is righteous, not from yourself. Does not Romans 3 teach us that? There is none. What? Righteous. No, not one. Now we understand his context is people. But I do know somebody. I do know one that is righteous. I know that he is righteous. And the Bible says this about righteousness. You cannot do righteousness unless you're born of God. Because even the right things you try to do are not right. Isaiah chapter 64, the Bible tells us in verse number 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. All the righteousnesses that we could do. God does not count them to be righteous because there's always some other motive. There's always some other, some other thing behind the scenes in the heart of a sinner, you see. There is just something about human beings that's not right. That's why we need to be born from above. Because we're not right. But this is what we do. We look at others and we look at how not right they are. And we forget how not right we are. And if there's anything right in you, it's because you, are, you have been born of God. You're one of the sons of God. And the righteous one lives in you. And any righteous thing you do is that Jesus Christ working out of your life. Amen. Whether it's giving a cup of cold water. I like the way that Jesus phrased that. He said, if you do something in the name of a righteous man, you'll get a righteous man's reward. You know, when we do something in Jesus' name, we have, when we live by the faith of the Son of God, that righteous one that's within us makes those things that we do righteous, not because of us, but the one in us that's living through us. Everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. In Romans chapter 10... While you're turning, the Bible says, you see, he has made unto, un, unto us righteousness. That's 1 Corinthians one third. The first thing we see about the sons of God, they are righteous. <laughs> you say, but there's none righteous. Oh, yes, I, I understand that. But you get in God's family, and you not only change families, you change positions with God. You're not, you're not unrighteous anymore. You do righteousness. He tells us in chapter 10 of the book of Romans, this is the great book that people read, to read to them about how to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. I wish they'd read the whole chapter. I love Romans 10, 13, I do. But you know what, what he says before that? In verse number 1 of chapter 10, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He's wanting people to be saved. But there's a problem they have. Verse 3, for they being ignorant of, what does it say? God's righteousness. And going about to establish, what does it say? Their own righteousness. 
have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of who? God. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believeth. By the way, our famous verse that we use in trying to talk to people about the Lord. The Word of God tells us in verse number 9 about that. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart, God raised it from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart, watch it, watch it, watch it. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Do you see that? Isn't that overlooked so many times? You see, when I'm believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm believing unto righteousness. I'm going to a place from a place of unrighteousness to a place of righteousness. I'm going from a place of sinfulness to a place of the righteousness of God. Because my righteousness is not really righteous. Only God's righteousness is righteous. And His righteousness is what I need. And I can only get that by a gift. I can only get that by getting in His family. You know, you'll never be right enough to go to heaven. But if you'll receive Jesus Christ and become part of this sons of God we're talking about, you'll believe unto righteousness and it'll be counted to you. Your faith will be counted righteousness. The righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all that believe. So many people, when they talk about their salvation, they want to tell me what they've done. I don't care what you've done. Because it's already done. He did it. He is the righteous one. The sons of God are classified as being righteous. You know, when Paul reasoned with Felix and preached to him, he tried to convert him. The Bible says he reasoned to him, with him. You know what he reasoned with him about? Righteousness. He reasoned about judgment come, but he also reasoned about righteousness. You know, he kept telling Felix, Felix, you know you're not right. You know, Felix, there's something not right about you. And there's something so holy and right and perfect about God, and you need God. You know your life's a mess. You know your mind is a mess. Your heart's a mess. Your deeds, you know your past is a mess, and your future's going to be a mess. You need righteousness and you can't get it from one, but from one source and that's from the righteous one. The sons of God have righteousness and his righteousness allow us to be able to do right. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Isn't that strange how many times that comes up? You know why a lot, this is why people don't get saved. They play church, but they don't get saved. Because number one, they don't want their sin gone. And number two, they really don't want righteousness. And righteousness is wrapped up in the package of Jesus. And that's not what they're interested in. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That new man is created in righteousness and true holiness, the Bible says. So the book says, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Don't confuse that statement. That statement is a statement that only speaks to the fact of the righteous one that's in you that's now able to live a life that's acceptable to God. Yes, that's right. Now having said that, 
It's a shame and disgrace to God the way some of the sons of God live and act. God knows we're righteous, but the world sure doesn't. I've told people before, you know, they say, I'm saved. I said, don't tell anybody. You're a bad commercial about Jesus. Don't tell anybody you're a child of God because children of God, we are enabled to be able to live a certain life that we couldn't live before we got saved. I never forget being in a restaurant one time and with our family, all of our extended family. And a preacher that we didn't know at the time came up to us and he said, I don't know who y'all are, but y'all look like some of God's children. They started talking to us. I thought, wow, appreciate that. But you know what? I don't want to just look like God's children on, on a certain day. I, I, I want to represent the family well. What an awful thing, just like Balaam got Balak, or Balak tried to get Balaam to curse the people of God, and God says, I, I, be, I behold no iniquity in them. But boy, Balak sure could see it. Balaam sure could see it. You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You see, church, we've been given a great gift that allows us to live a righteous life. God's worked something in us so that something beautiful and right can be worked out of us. It would be a shame and disgrace if we didn't live that way. But, ne- but, 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 but listen, listen to me. Don't think that you can examine somebody's life by their own personal righteousness to determine how God views that person. You have to be careful with that. There's not a person at the table that thought Judas was a devil. You know why? He had personal righteousness. He preached like they preached. He healed like they healed. Are you listening to me? He walked with Jesus like they walked with Jesus. He looked like the apostle that the rest of them looked like. And he went to hell. You know why? Not about his righteousness. He had never been converted. He had never been born on the inside. He'd never had that spirit of God to change him. Well, let's move from that. That's the first verse. First John chapter 2, he tells us about the righteousness of the sons of God. So don't ever say, I, I just can't do right. That's a lie if you're saved. People that aren't saved, I know they can't do right. But if you're a son of God, if you're in the family of God, you can do right. And the only reason you won't do right is because you don't want to do right. You got the power to do right. He says not only about the righteousness of the sons of God. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. The next thing I want you to see not just the righteousness of God. But the love of the sons of God. Look how loved they are. You'll never be more loved than getting in the family of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 
We who were not a people, we were Gentiles by nature. We who were outside of the grace of God, outside of the family of God, depraved, wicked sinners, and yet God bestowed love upon us as His own children. What manner of love? You know what? Most people think they deserve to be loved. And the author says, I don't deserve this love. This love is hard for me to comprehend. This this love is hard for me to put into words. That God loves me so much that nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Guys, you know how big a statement that is? What manner of love is this? That it is inseparable. It's it's deeper than you can dig. It's it's farther than you can reach. It's higher than you can imagine. And it's all because you got in the family of God. You became a son of God because you received His Son. And the Father pours out His love upon His sons. Do you love your children? Do you love your children? You, you, you don't even know the. However, you love your children is such a minuscule drop of sand concerning how God loves His children. What manner of love? It, it's inseparable. It's indescribable. It's unfa- It's overwhelming. You know why? We often speak of the love of Jesus. This is speaking of the love of the Father. You know how much the Father loved you. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him, here in His love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What manner of love that the Father would send His Son and give up His Son and send His only begotten Son, His sinless, beautiful, precious Son to be mocked, spit on, Nailed to a tree, rejected, hated, live in poverty while the Father watches. The Father watches the mistreatment of His own Son and does nothing. The Father watches the torture, the torture of His Son. And he does nothing. You know why? Because he just didn't love his only begotten son. He loved you. And you would never love anybody that way. And I would never love anybody that way. But behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. 
And then he says this about the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The identification of the sons of God is not only that God has called us that. He, he's named us that in his family. Now are we the sons of God. And, and that's the great thing about salvation. I'm not, I'm not waiting to be saved. I'm not waiting to be a child of God. I'm one right now. He said that verse 2. Behold, now. Now are we the sons of God. If you don't have a now salvation, you don't have a Bible salvation. Oh, I've met people all around the world who said, nobody can know that. And No, he said, right now, I'm, I know I'm a son of God. Because God called me that. God put me in his family. I, I received the Lord. But he says, the world, though, Jesus, though God has received us, the world has not received us. And the world knows us not. In other words, there should be an identification of the son of God where this whole world that he says in chapter 5, verse 19, that lies in wickedness, doesn't know us. You, you see that verse 1? The world knoweth us not. Because it knew him not. They didn't know him. So they don't know us. You know lost people. They don't know God. They don't understand God. They can't wrap their head around God at all. That's why they're atheists. Or agnostics. Or they just. They're just not interested. They're not engaged. But you know what the Bible tells us? When we are identified as the sons of God, the world doesn't know us either. They don't understand us. I don't know how many of you have neighbors that, 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 that get up on Sunday morning, but can you imagine what the, goes through the average person's mind when they see people get up and go to church on Sunday morning? Amen. And even go to Sunday school? Why are they getting up? And they're washing the car and mowing the grass. And they say, well, I don't understand what they're doing. What? Yep. And they, they look, look at them. They, they look like they're going somewhere important. Yeah. <laughs> we don't understand them. And, and look at there. They went back again that night. Wow. What is that? <laughs> and you know, we don't, we, we don't ever hear that over at their house. How about that, dog. And we, we don't hear the dirty words out there. And, and you know, they, they dress a little different and they look a little different. Yeah. We, we don't understand that. They're weird. They're so weird about those people. You know, I think, I've even, I think they even go down there in the, during the week, too. How about that? What was wrong? And I heard, I don't know if it's true, but I heard they give a lot of their money. Shoot. How dumb can somebody be to, to give their. I mean, there's not much money, and everybody needs their money. I don't, you know, they, they go in there and give it to the church. And, mm. I don't understand that. And some of them get so happy every now and then they raise their hand. Isn't that? That's weird. Yeah. And, and this guy will scream and holler, just weird old guy, you know. And then people <laughs> in the congregation will start talking back to him. Yeah. Just weird old people. Yeah. You know what, what is really weird about it? They got this one book, yeah. and they can never read enough of it. How about that? And, it, and it's the same book. And sometimes we see them out there on the street holding signs and stuff, and, I, and they give out. I, I, they, they, we don't understand these people. Yeah. Well, and if they understand you, you better check your identification. Yeah. You, you understand me? If you, if you, if they know you better than the people of God know you, well, you better check your ID card. Sir. 
The world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. And He even says on down this text in chapter 3, <clears throat> verse number 13, Marvel not, my brother, the world hates you. They hate you. They hated Jesus. That's why we know the Jesus of society is not the Jesus of the Bible. Because the Bible says that the world hates Jesus Christ just like it hates the children of God, the sons of God. And yet this world, this society, has a casual relationship with this other Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus is not a long-haired Italian man. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is not some effeminate guy that walks around. The Jesus of the Bible is a Jesus that loved righteousness and hated iniquity. The Jesus of the Bible was a preacher. If they don't like preaching, what do you think they would do with his preaching? Oh, they, the love affair the world has with Jesus is with a little baby. It's in a manger somewhere that has, that has more to do with Santa Claus than it has to do with God's Word. This world doesn't know Jesus. If they knew Him, if they met Him, if they heard Him speak, if, 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 they, if they ever got in His presence, they would be so uncomfortable. And I'm asking you, is the world uncomfortable with you? Do they? You ever heard somebody say, well, they just understand me. You, you better be a part of the family of God where the family of God understands you. By the way, if the family of God doesn't understand you and the world understands you, yep. something strange about that. Yes, sir. The identification of the sons of God. I love God's people. Amen. With all their warts. I hate warts, but they're my people. The people of God are my people. And I get them. I get God's people. I don't get them. I don't get Bozo the Clown hair color. I don't get it. I don't get drug use. I don't get it. I don't get shacking up and hopping around. and I don't get that. I don't understand it. And the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And I've got to finish. But this is the verse that really causes people some pause. He says in verse number 9, Whosoever is born of God, so these are the sons of God. So we talked about the righteousness of the sons of God, the love of the sons of God, the identification of the sons of God. But I want you to look at the sinlessness of the sons of God. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. I have heard some preachers, because they don't like the way the book reads... They try to change that, and they say, well, whosoever is born of God does not continue in sin. It doesn't say that. I'm not going to play the little Greek game, though I could, but that's not the word for continuing in sin. 
He says he cannot sin. That even makes it even bigger. And the truth of it, if all of us would be honest with God, there's some sin that every one of us are continuing in. Because you know what we found in chapter 1? See, this is why you've got to read the whole book. Chapter 1 says, if we say that we have no sin, we're a liar. The truth is not. So what does this mean? He just told me if I say I have no sin, I'm a liar. As a matter of fact, what even prefaced verse 9, look up there at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Isn't that strange? If you've never committed a sin, why do you have to purify yourself? No, he says you're pure, but you still have to purify yourself. What is he talking about? Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he's born of God. I read in my devotions this morning, just sort of strange. I was reading about David. And David talked to God and said, God, I want to build you a house. And you know what God says? Well, that's nice, David, but I'm going to build you a house. (laughs) You're not going to build me a house, David. I'm going to build you a house. But he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, David. I appreciate that. I'm going to let your son build, build a house. And you know, this is what God said. This is so fascinating to me. God said to David about Solomon, he said this, listen, I will be his father and he shall be my son. And you know what he said right after he said that? He said this, if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. And with the stripes of the children of of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. Because he's my son. I'm going to tell you what I do. If he gets out of line, he's my son. I'm going to chasten him. I'm going to make his life rough. He doesn't do right. But he's my son. He's in my family and my mercy will never depart from him. You read Isaiah chapter 55. It talks about a covenant that can be made with God, not by money, but with our hearts. And that he will give us the sure mercies of David. And then Paul stood and preached the great message about how Jesus Christ offered the forgiveness of sins as he preached in the synagogue. And he says, God is offering to you those sure mercies of David. In other words, you can be in his family. But when God looks at you, he'll just see mercy. He'll just see mercy. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. You know what the seed is? Thy seed, which is Christ, the New Testament says. His seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin. He The seed cannot sin. 
Because he's born of God. And I try to tell you, people don't, people don't get this. And I'll try to boil this down as much as I can. There's nothing wrong with the Bible. The Bible's true. You ought to live right. You ought not sin against God. If you sin against God, God will beat your behind just like he beat, he beat the Solomon's behind. Because he deals with his children. If you're not his child, he'll let you go off and do whatever you want to do. He didn't chasten the devil's kids. That's the difference between sinning a lost person and sinning a saved person. Sinning a saved person, we don't get by with it. If you be without chastisement, your bastards are not sons. God whips us. Though His mercy never leaves. His mercy is always there. But He chastens us. And the Word of God shows us right here that that seed that remains in us is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that part of us that's born of God, and this is, this is the hard people get their head around. There's part of you that's not been born of God. The great thing about people this morning right here in this building, some of you are saved, you're, in, you're a child of God. But what you're carrying around with you is just as devilish as the devil itself. Because your body's not saved. Now one of these days it will be. And we'll be like him. He'll change us. He'll change these vile bodies. He's not saying that a Christian can't sin. Because he said in chapter 1 you can. He's just saying when you sin, it's not imputed to you. You know what he said in Romans 4? What blessedness has David found? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. He didn't count it to you. You say, well, you know, I do wrong. Well, Paul said he did wrong too, but this is what he said about it. He said, I got an old man on the outside and I got a new man on the inside, Romans chapter 7. And he said, man... Sometimes I do the things that I shouldn't do. But he said, I didn't really do that. (laughs) Read it. That's what he said. Paul, I heard you cuss that woman out. No, I didn't do that. I don't know what he did. I I don't know what. But I tell you what, it it was bothering. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. He's consumed with a problem. I have to use something light so people don't, don't, don't freak out. I could use something a little more drastic. but Paul, I, I saw you. I, I saw you smoke that cigarette around the corner. I didn't do that. Because you see, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. I didn't do that. <laughs> well, it was in your mouth. Well, it was in that wretched man's mouth, but he said, I didn't do that because I really didn't want to do that, but that old man, I let that old man have charge. And it was that old man living that old life again. Hmm. Guys, that's why that book says, all of us, him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. We, that old man's there. That old man's there. We've got to put that old man to death even if we are sons of God. 
because he still wants to do that. But I tell you what, there's something in me that don't ever want to sin again. I don't, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to disappoint the Lord again. I don't ever want to have a bad attitude again. I don't ever want to do anything that's displeasing to him again. There is a desire in me that doesn't want to sin ever. And that's the part of me that's born of God. And that's going to remain. This is going to die, hallelujah. But this is going to remain. This will be put off one day and worms will eat it, amen. Or it will be changed in the rapture. But the seed on the inside is going to remain. Christ in me will remain. But my question is, do you even have Christ in you? When sin comes in your life, does it even bother you? Does the new man cringe at it? Because I can't mention that Romans 7 passage about Paul saying I didn't do that without saying this. He was overwhelmed with sorrow about the problem. And the conflict. Because he had a new man on the inside. The righteousness of the sons of God. The love of the sons of God. The identification of the sons of God. And yes, the sinlessness of the sons of God. But that doesn't mean that we do not have to purify ourselves.